Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So welcome back to the second half of our special New Year's conversation recorded on the 2nd of January. This section, which is parts three and four, will be looking as in reflection on 2020 as a whole. The ups, the downs, the highlights, the lowlights, some of the sad stuff that's happened, but some of the positives as well. And we've also got a special quiz coming up and we'll be looking forward with hope to the upcoming year ahead. 2021. We're looking forward with hope to what's coming. But in the meantime, one final look back to what's just gone. We won't mention the very, very obvious things of the year because they, they they speak for themselves. But guys, I wanted to get your reflections of the year in view. Um, first of all, on the specific subject of the Albion, um, what's your overall view of the club and the team? And also, I guess you could say how they handled COVID at the various stages as well. Anybody want to go first? Yeah, um, I will point out that the club got the highest total um, of Premier League points um, this season. Um, You know, obviously we're going to point to one win at home uh, during the calendar year, which is dreadful. Um, Slightly unusual circumstances in terms of the support. I mean, uh, people have mentioned that it may have been even worse if there were fans in there. Um, uh, mm. But um, there, I, I, I mentioned it earlier, that Bloom's got a project, hasn't he? And um, from what I can see, Potter's quite integral to, to that project. Um, and yeah, I mean, Sanchez is just latest on that production line. Um, Bloom's invested an awful lot of money in the academy. Um, and this is what he, he seems to like. But, um, you know, whether you can do that plus um, a, a secure Premier League survival, uh, especially when you're pay, paying in the bottom five um, player wages, which, as I've mentioned before, that's the the best metric to predict your, your Premier League position, um, is a different question. It's one we're going to find out. Um, 
I mean, I'm I'm slightly less uppity, I suppose, or, or concerned at this particular point. But that that's precisely because I always thought that you know it was likely that we were going to be in a relegation battle. Um, I'll point out that we still haven't been in the relegation um, in zone. Relegation zone. And um, it has been mentioned that once we get into it, we will never get out of it. Um, and I see absolutely nothing to support that idea. I think it, people that make that comment, it says more about them than it does about um, the players and the coach yeah. and the chairman. Yeah, yeah, agreed. That's it's not the deal and end all dropping in. It could be a psychological blow. Who knows? There's no guarantee we would, we would be able to get back out. But yeah, there's no reason to 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 sort of state almost as fact that we wouldn't, and that'll be it, game over. But uh, the year as a whole, I mean, we we started badly, didn't we? And then um, I think after lockdown was okay. Sorry, Richard, you wanted to say something? Do you want to no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Finish the point. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, you know we we were struggling a bit at the turn of the year when we lockdown. As Peter's mentioned, has probably come at a good, a good time for us in terms of giving the, the team a break, and we definitely benefited from that. And I think we had a good end of season, all things considered. Um, obviously, very uh, since COVID broke in, well, of course the, the the break in play in March, having broken at the beginning of the year, it's been a pretty extraordinary year, of course. And there's been so many challenges and so many issues on and off the pitch as a result. Um, but I think all things considered, the Albion have done well certainly with the conclusion of that season um, and with the way they've handled themselves in general. We've mentioned it quite a bit on air in the past. Uh, Paul Barber's been both um, frequent and quality in his presence, uh, I think, with in terms of speaking to the media, in terms of speaking to fans. Um, we at Seagulls Over London and various other fans groups um, have had, um, you know, we've had loads of Zoom meetings where we've had, we've had Graham Potter, we've had, Dan Ashworth, we've had Paul Barber again has come on. Um, various players, ex-player, well, ex-players have come on as well. It's been uh, a really big boost to a, to all the fans, or well, everyone really interested um, in the subject. Um, it's been good for them to have outlets and ways of engaging with the club in a way that hadn't been the case before, hadn't been realistically possible before through Zoom and other formats. Um, that's been one thing that I think was superb. Um, I think the way we handled so many of the of the issues as they came up, we gave um, food to food banks for the games that were cancelled. Uh, we have vouchers to staff to keep their spirits up. The ring rounds to all the um, the elderly and more isolated members of the fan base, as as perceived by the club. Um, and then there was there was charity initiatives um, giving money. Um, the the way we've handled the ticketing arrangements, you know what we what we were doing and when in terms of refunds. I think generally buy, buyers have been pretty good um, and they've been as flexible as they can. And it couldn't have been easy to have so many, not only so many things to organise, but then to reorganise pretty much halfway through organising it. They've had to change and adapt to new information and new rules that were coming out at various points. Um, so I commend the club for a huge amount in the, in the year. Um, the year itself has been horrible, but I think there's been some positives that we could take from our club, I think. What would you say, Richard? Yeah, I, 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 you put all that very well. I'd echo all of that. I think the club emerges with a lot of credit for what it's done off the pitch and the media strategy and the communications with uh, the press and the fan base. And as you say, it can't have been easy. You know, it's a time when for much of the year, most of the year, um, 
games have been played behind closed doors. So that, you know, that connection with fans has been removed by necessity. Um, so the club, um, I think, has communicated with fans very well, done it very proactively, been very open about things. And I think Paul Barber particularly has been, you know, a very, very articulate communicator for the club, uh, including being prepared to go out on a limb and defend some positions on quite difficult issues, like where games got played during Project Restart, for example. Um, you know, the other thing that was that was encouraging that I can recall is, um, you know, we, we mentioned sexism in football earlier on, in, in the earlier part of this. Um, uh, racism in football and elsewhere has been, you know, a, a, a very nasty undercurrent for much of the year as well. So for the couple of games where the fans were, where some fans were allowed in, applauding the players when they took the knee, I thought it was, you know, a very, very encouraging uh, and supportive sign, particularly as it happened, uh, happened uh, you know, shortly after the same gesture had been booed in certain other places. Um, as far as on the pitch goes, yeah, I mean, there aren't, there aren't quite as many highlights to pick, but obviously the win against Arsenal, I think, as I said before, was absolutely crucial. Um, and on a slightly lighter note, also included what, in my view, was the uh, post-match interview of the year by Neil Morpé. Um <laughs> <laughs> when he when he when he very chirpily said that Arsenal players needed need to learn humility and they got exactly what they deserved, which I thought was was quite a good antidote to the usual bland stuff that you tend to get in post match interviews. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great. I've forgotten that one actually. That's great. You've uh, highlighted that. And um, yeah, ab- absolutely true. In fact, you've just reminded me of one other bit of football news this week. Swansea not covered themselves in glory for a second time. Apparently, some of their fans have were booing and jeering and making some noises during the uh, uh, the, uh, the taking the knee moment in their recent game with Reading. And they were obviously went inside the stadium, they were outside, but they were making themselves heard, which yet another, um, well, group of people, small group, hopefully, um, who've not covered themselves in glory. But, but getting back to... Um... They're just taking their cue from our Prime Minister, who um, is not adverse to, to making such comments, is he? But uh, never mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, uh, a buffoon in in every sense, that man. But um, uh, well, one, one thing that you've missed there that um, I mean, it's a good list. I I, I agree with what uh, Richard said. Um, one thing that I really liked was the response to pay per view. Um, yeah, I extremely enjoyed paying fourteen pound ninety five to the Trussell Trust um, uh, on a weekly basis. Um, that was one yeah. of my the most pleasurable things about 2020 for me. Yeah, that's that's a good shout as well. Yeah, I I, I did the same. Um, I, well, on the first one at least, I, I sort of put a contribution in because yeah, I mean they got that badly wrong. It's one of those well missteps or testing the water moments that the TV companies and other other organisations around football will try from time to time. And I'm very glad they were put straight back down and, and made to realise yeah, that's nowhere near hitting the mark for fans. And, um, and yeah. just one final point on that. That was um, kind of pioneered by the Newcastle fans. And I love the Newcastle fans. I really missed going to yeah. Newcastle. Really looking forward to going to Newcastle again. For yeah, we're 100% going to the next um, permitted uh, visit, I think, for that one. Uh, one way or the other, I'm going to make sure we're we're on that trip, on that train together, Andy. Definitely. Um and any other comments on the on the club in general before I move on to the next subject? Uh, I was, Peter? I was just going to say, actually, while you're on Newcastle, I was going to say that I thought the win there was our, probably the highlight of the year for Albion, just because we were 
I mean, we. Uh, this is what's so frustrating in a way because I've I said before I don't really think we progressed this year mm. in terms of anything. I think we're probably in a worse position than we were this time last year. Um, but that game, and I think possibly the, you know, the expectation rose after that game, and that might be a, an issue as well, partly. And after two really good home displays as well, we could easily have got something from Chelsea and Man U. But we mm. absolutely destroyed Newcastle. I mean, Lamp team was so Max and Mam came on last season and actually caused us problems for the last half hour when when we despite us dominating possession up there this season he you know he basically went off after half an hour destroyed by by Lamptey, who basically tormented him for the whole game. When he well, was, yeah, well, I mean that's part of the thing, isn't it? Lamptey was in that match. The, yeah. what, the, the key thing was, I and mean, we've started games well in other matches, but the key thing there was we got a very early goal. No, uh, right. yeah, two two early goals. Uh, and that's that's right. And that is a key difference with most of what's gone wrong in the other games in which yeah. we've had a reportedly good first well, half. Ironically, our other win, we also got an early goal because at Villa, I think we scored after about 10, 15 minutes or something like that we scored. Yeah. So even though we then, they then pegged us back, we did at least get the early goal. And some of yeah, us, I, we've ended up with 10 men in both games we've won this year. So maybe we should start getting players sent off more often. <laughs> um, I think overall, I think, yeah, what you guys are saying about the Albion... I think off the field, barring the yeah the pay per view stuff that Albion didn't necessarily handle that well, and the, and the season ticket refund, and then quickly then turned it round after that. To be fair, I mean, within a couple of days they they changed their mind and offered refunds and that sort of thing. But initially, I thought they handled that pretty poorly. But other than oh, that, yeah, there was a yeah, that's true. Yeah, there wasn't put wrong. I mean, everything that's you know been good about the whole you know about stuff that's been like yeah, Albion at the forefront really. It's been you know kind of you hear Paul Barber talking about. Pretty much, he's one of the few chairmen who's happy to put their head above the parapet and discuss things, even if sometimes they are quite difficult issues, like you know whether we should have home advantage in you know not that it doesn't get us any good, but home advantage. I think they should. It was right they they stood up to other chairmen who were trying to say we were trying to block restart and saying no, actually we should have home advantage, even though we you know it's not done us any good. I think it's the right thing to do to try and make the competition as you know as as, re- as realistic as possible, rather than just having a, a pointless neutral yeah. tournament and that sort of thing. So I, I think the club have been exceptional on every level except on the pitch really generally since lockdown and even on the pitch there's been some you know some rays of light you know Liverpool home I thought we played really really well should have won really if anything I mean we missed some absolute sitters which again is the story of our season um some yeah Villa away I thought we played really well West Ham away actually played thought we played really well which is why it's so frustrating that two silly goals really kind of lost us the game you know it's because we've had some really good performances where you can see and it's part of the reason I'm not totally in the Potter Alp group I've been you know I'm kind of on the edges in and out depending on what we've probably got the last game which is probably not why I shouldn't be a chairman but um you know and also why I probably would still prefer the striker to come in because there are games when you can see how it works how how effective it could be and then there are other games like Arsenal where frankly we just don't really turn up and although we did okay in the first half where so I mean I think I think if you start to like resolution to be moving to I think Albion should be to win more than one home league game that would be quite a nice one or to uh, <laughs> to match our home league wins from last year to this afternoon. Yeah, I think the the home form uh, well the home results uh, have been the undoubted low lights uh, on the pitch haven't they for us this season. Um, like our away form this year is actually a lot better than previously. Yeah, well, we somebody win- said I think we're only one. One result worse off than Liverpool for away form, yeah. which is interesting. Which well tells tells you a lot about their season as well as ours. But um, them you know, that, yeah. But ultimately, they are top of the table. So you know, if we if if we could have got anywhere near a normal season in terms of home form, that would have been the difference. And yeah. on that subject, I mean, I just go. Normally, this would be the halfway stage, pretty much on the nose, wouldn't it? Um, as we're talking now, it isn't because of the the scheduling, but um. Looking at my predictions for the season, I had Brighton to finish in 11th 
that is looking a bit ambitious now, but it was based on us having a normal amount of home form. We have, since that conversation, had a, a series of poor results against sides. I expected us to pick points up in, to be fair to me. I'm just going to defend myself there. Where I can't defend myself is that I had Sheffield United finishing 13th, um, considering they've already got off to a pretty bad start for a fair period of time. Uh, that is not looking like a good prediction at the moment. <laughs> Big question for 2021 is, are Sheffield United going to beat Derby? Yeah, 11 points, isn't it? The, the, yeah. the record. Derby got a win early in the season when they created that unwanted record. And Sheffield United, well, they're still looking for theirs. We um, we tried to give it to them, but uh, ultimately weren't able to. But um, yeah, I mean, could they go a whole season without without winning? I, I suspect not. Could they break they Derby's record? Them. Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, if you look at their results, they've had a massive number of 1-0 defeats this season. I think it's something like seven or eight games that have finished like that, which tells you a lot about the fact they're trying to keep it tight. They realise they're underplaying and they just want to try and keep it as tight as they can, but ultimately have failed in a number of those games, even even though it's only to the, to the point of one goal concession. The fact they're so poor at scoring, except when they're playing us, uh, is... Uh, is a bit of an issue. So. Yeah, looking at the table, they've got a minus 19 goal difference from 14 defeats and no wins. I mean, that is pretty, yeah. pretty impressive. That means they've, on average, as you say, lost by one goal, basically, which, yeah. considering how dreadful they're up, widely regarded as being, is not, doesn't reflect that, really. It, you say it's yeah. a lot of small margins and, you know, kind of, yeah, kind of tight things. But, yeah. and they, to be fair, they lost their best defender for the, uh, before, just before the season started, in O'Connell, who's been, who was fantastic for them last yeah. season. And they lost Dean Henderson, which obviously shows the issue around low knees. Yeah, um, they're talking about Ramsdale. Okay, but it's not been, it's not not been as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My bottom three, incidentally, was, was Fulham, Burnley and then West Brom in 18th. Um, that's still feasible, although I'm suspecting Burnley aren't going to feature. Um, if they do, it won't be. Burnley will end up mid-table now. They've, they've got an yeah. their solidity. They've, they've potentially got a bit of money to spend. Although, you know, yeah. you don't know with, with Daish's way of working whether that will they'll benefit them massively. If they get one or two bigger names in, they might not have the same work ethic that uh, Daish's yeah. current works. Uh, yeah, so. I've got Palace and Newcastle above that and then Leeds in 15th. I mean, th- th- those might be about right, to, uh, but not quite with the other teams around them, <laughs> as we'd imagine. My top three, by the way, I still feel might end up being the top three, which is Liverpool, Man City, Leicester. I know Man United are, are closing in now. They've done actually pretty well, haven't they, all things considered. Um, game in hand as well. That's good. Yeah, and, and if they're in their game in hand, they're only a point off those two as well. They're yeah, men, sorry. Yeah, but I, I think I, Liverpool. I've got have... Liverpool, City, United, Tottenham, and United, Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. The the, yeah. Uh, the one that I'm most concerned about there would be City, um, because and I made this point at the beginning of the season. They they miss Aguero. Um, Jesus is not. Um, a decent enough replacement for him, even when he's mm. there, which he hasn't been. There, there are reports yeah. today that they're looking to sign Kane in the summer. Mm. Interesting. Uh, well, I, I mean, that would be dependent upon how well Tottenham do this season, I would say. Yeah, you must wonder whether if they don't win anything this season, Kane might think, well, I want to win some trophies as much as I love Spurs. Do I, yeah. do I look to move on to a season. Well, they're, they're beating Leeds at the moment and Kane's got a goal and an assist. And his assist, of course, was for a Son goal. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's working well. Please for my yeah. fantasy team and my predictions. I'm happy with yeah. both sides. Yeah. 
Yeah, nice work. I, th- yeah. I think in, in your in your defence, Russ, I mean, some of those predictions are a bit ambitious, but it's a, it's a very unusual season, right, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we all know the circumstances, but there's been some, you know, jaw-dropping results. When you take Liverpool, right? I mean, hmm. yeah, conceded, I mean, they, they... conceded seven at Aston Villa, put seven past Crystal Palace, and then dropped points to West Brom, Fulham and... in the last week as well I mean go to Liverpool get a fantastic draw and then lose 5-0 at home to Leeds I mean that is ridiculous really yeah yeah that's right it's it's so unpredictable isn't it it really is and And Leeds um, are a random one as well because they can easily go and win 5-0 one week and then lose 5-0 the next week yeah well you you mentioned Palace I mean they lost 7-0 to Liverpool but they thrashed Leeds didn't they was it 4-1 or something like that yeah um, so, you know, there's loads of up and downs. There have been a huge number of goals as well, which has been another feature of the of this calendar year, particularly in this season's part of the calendar year. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, in terms of the, um, the wider world of 2020, just to, to reflect on a few other things, um, the podcast, um, we started it on, I think, well, we, the recording, first recording we made, I think we put out on the 10th of Jan, um, sort of like a bumper episode in two parts. And since then, it's I think it's grown from strength to strength. We've been enjoying it, haven't we, Peter? Started off in the pub. We've been doing it on Zoom, obviously, since COVID, um, with, I think, one exception where we, we were able to get back to the pub um, with permissions and everything, but uh, at time, times were allowed. But it was just more feasible to do it online, and I think um, it's, it's worked out well enough. Um, it's been great. We've had a number of really good guests on. We've had Paul Barber. We've had Michelle Kuypers. We've had Spencer Vignes. We've had um, Kieran Maguire and his cohort, uh, Kevin Day, later on, joining us as well. Um, Gordon Smith's been on. Um, we've had guys from the Albion Roar and Josh from Together. We've, um, there's, there's many more besides, probably too numerous to mention. We had some authors on, haven't we? Um, Bill Hearn was interesting about his Black Pioneers in football. Um, there's been... Um, any number uh, of others, Liverpool and Arsenal, and Liverpool, yeah, Atlanta, yeah, Spurs um, as well. West Ham, uh, yeah, the guy well, from the pub, Sam, yeah, you. yeah, and um, of course we've had a number of um, regular contributors. Um, Richard, probably not as much in terms of numbers, but more recently you have been and uh, have been very valuable. We've really enjoyed your input. And Andy, you've been excellent as well. Um, really, really good to have you aboard. Uh, <laughs> modest faces. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it adds an extra dimension because I think um, one of the greatest compliments people can pay me and they have done um, in small numbers uh, from friends, admittedly, uh, the feedback's been, it's like you're just being down the pub with you guys and just chatting. And that's kind of the idea when we've when we've had sort of yeah three or four people involved the whole idea is it's um it's pretty much like pub chat um with beers as well quite often not today but quite often so um i think that, there, that adds to it there were there were a couple of quirky things in i mean i yeah echo what you said about pod, pod, podcast it's been great um there were two things i picked up for sort of light lighter moments but neither of which has anything to do with the albion but um you know, in an, in an otherwise largely bleak year, there were quite amusing things. One was, you know, happy ending stories. One was um, Meza Ozil offering to pay the salary of uh, Gunnosaurus, the Arsenal mascot, <laughs> who might otherwise have been made redundant. Um, <laughs> I, it, he's always intrigued me, Ozil. You know, interesting interesting character with an interesting backstory. So that, that made me smile. And the other one, we were talking about lots of goals going in and COVID absenteeism. Um I don't know whether you picked this up, Russ, but there was a game in the lower reaches of German football where uh, one team had reported a number of COVID cases and the opposition were concerned about this and therefore were only able to field seven players because if they cancelled the game, they would have been fined by their league. 
So the seven players took the field and for the most part just stood aside and let the other team score. And the other team won 37 nil. <laughs> and, and then got an absolute hammering in the media for taking advantage of the situation and scoring that many goals. But the happy, the happy ending is that, you know, there were no hard feelings. The two teams made up and they, they get on better now than they ever did before. So, yeah, there you and go. There's been, a, there's been a number of good stories, both in and out of football, hasn't there? Some, some, some funny stuff, some cheery stuff, some amusing and quirky elements. Um, too numerous to go into, probably. Uh, lots of rather amusing memes and gifs have appeared at various points. Uh, it's the keeping the spirits up thing, isn't it, that everyone's got to have gallows humour and everything else. Um, yeah. one one thing apart well, two the two real highlights for me this year have been, been getting this podcast going and really enjoying doing it and hopefully you guys have been enjoying listening to it as well but um, that's been one of them the other thing has been I've been able to binge watch a huge amount of TV and um, and also uh, film and all, normally I'm a massive film fan go to the cinema a lot anyway but um, it's been more about the small screen obviously this year um, but there's been I think firstly a load of things I've called up on but there's also been a load of things that new stuff that's gone onto onto those platforms and it really changed the way we're I think receiving drama I think now it's it's becoming so fluid isn't it um long form narratives there's that word again narratives um in terms of the lengths of episodes the lengths of series can be completely flexible it's allowed much more creative freedom and much more of things being the natural length they should be, I think has, has benefited. And there's been a, a load of really good, really good programs out there. I mean, I've caught up on a huge amount of stuff. Um, uh, but the, the highlights, I think, of this year, I really enjoyed the Stranger Things series. thought that was excellent. Um, I've caught up on a load of Line of Duty and um, Homeland and things like that, which I hadn't seen. Um, I thought, uh, well, I've just started watching The Queen's Gambit, which is the, the current buzz thing. Uh, so far so good first episode pretty good um and there's there's loads of loads more besides you guys have you been uh binging andy's got his hand up enthusiastically <laughs> yeah Go to um, you, sir. Uh, i'm glad you've been watching line of juicy that's something that we've been watching over the last decade or so it gets a bit silly at times but uh the two central protagonists mm. absolutely amazing um yeah, we took. Um, we've actually um, indulged in a certain streaming ser- um, service for the first time since <laughs> lockdown, um, and yeah, we watched Stranger Things, enjoyed that. Um, but um, the ones that I probably want to highlight are on more traditional channels. So um, the BBC had three amazing series last yeah. um, last year. Um, I may destroy you. Um, Normal People, which is um, incidentally a great novel as well, Russell. Uh, (laughs) I'll make sure to add it to my very long list of things to um, read, yeah. And um, Steve McQueen's Small Axe. I mean, Steve McQueen is is, uh, um, so good. Um, and that's exceptional, isn't it? It was amazing. Um, And I would also, um, something that's kept me through, which always keeps keeps us through, is, is Gogglebox. <laughs> Always Ryan, isn't you've, it? Got, you've got very diverse taste, Andy. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, obviously, it's the equivalent of uh, Soccer Saturday, isn't it? It's it's watching people watching something. It's a crazy format that actually is is un- unexpectedly a stroke of genius. But it, it's it's made by the watchers. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. The other, yeah. the other thing that um, needs to be mentioned is Parasite. Yeah, yeah, which uh, I was going to come on to films in more detail, but Parasite, uh, yeah, film of the year, uh, without doubt for me, on reflection. There was one or two things that in the heat of the moment I thought might have overtaken or come close, but actually on reflection, uh, I don't know if Pete and uh, Richard, if you've seen those, uh, seen it, but Parasite is film of the year, Korean film by Bong. He's, he's just he's superb, isn't he? It's good just film. Uh, good film. Yeah, yeah. On on the small screen stuff, uh, yeah. Stick with the Queen's Gambit, Russ. It's great. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, also enjoyed the Last Dance, which was about yeah. the Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in the nineties. Really, really interesting. I mean, it yeah. helps if you like basketball, but you don't absolutely have to because there's a lot of no, very, I, very interesting I subplots going on there. Yeah, I, I don't follow basketball at all, but I enjoyed the series. Yeah. That's well, you know, it, it forces you to tell, you know, you, you look at a team that's been really successful over a period of years and you kind of assume that everybody's pulling in the same direction. Everybody gets on well. There's no factionalism. There's no backbiting. And in reality, there was loads of all of those things. Um, yeah. uh, and, and for feel good, feel good BBC viewing, um, Strictly was an absolute winner for me. I don't normally watch Saturday evening telly, but... Um, you know, Bill Bailey planting a flag in the sand for blokes in their mid fifties is something that I have to support. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, I mean, my, my other two watched Strictly. I didn't really watch it, but I, I did um, dip in when Bill was on, and his um, rendition of Metallica was was just great. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah, not that, that yeah. I'm, I'm really into, but um, um, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, he's. Because I think they they on that series traditionally they'll have people who are just duds who are just going to fall by the wayside. They have people who are going to be the comedy elements who go a certain distance into the into the competition before the the voting them in for the sake of it uh, for a laugh falls away. And I yeah. think that's the category they probably thought Bill Bailey would fall into, and he he ends up winning the whole thing. Um, he was actually pretty good. Yeah, I saw I, I same as you, Andy. I saw I watched um, watched his stuff um, as and when and. Um, he was excellent. He's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. That was an excellent series. Um, a performance by um, the lead character. She resembled, I don't know how much of this was through impersonation, inadvertently or deliberately or not, but it really resembled Jack Lemon and his screen personas. But she, it was an excellent period uh, drama, comedy drama, which was uh, really worthy of note as well. Um, Killing Eve is probably past its best but there was another series of that wasn't there as well and I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really hit. oh I've also called up with Sex Education British um, comedy series which is really good as well which I think isn't that new but uh, I think it's one of those things that's got another series on its way but it, that was really good fun as well um, in terms of that uh, Peter any highlights for you? Um, on top of what's already mentioned I suppose the things I've probably enjoyed binge watching have most have been on both of them a bit behind times have been Shit's Creek which I think is the main one of the oh, yeah. best series yeah. I've seen in a long time and Parks and Recreation which is years ago but I've I actually really got into that and um, yeah it's amazing how many episodes you can get through in one evening when it's only 21 minutes per episode <laughs> and you just yeah. sit there and, and then Netflix <laughs> starts judging you by saying oh are you sure you want to continue because you've not really moved for the last like two hours <laughs> <laughs> that's always a good sign. Those, but it goes, 
press OK to continue or whatever, as in, like, are you still alive? And uh... <laughs> I've never done that, actually. I'm, not, I'm, I'm feel disappointed I haven't, um, haven't yeah, got you to haven't that seen Creek, I, I, I was absolutely brilliant. It was fantastic. Yeah, Shit's Creek is another one. I, it's, it's disarmingly good because it's exactly the sort of thing I thought was going to be a bit of overkill. Sort of American comedy, I find, can be just very much sort of self-celebratory over nothing without having the the real meat on the bone sometimes but with that one it it seemed to have typical archetypes and I thought uh, where's this going to go but actually the story is disarmingly yeah, develops well slowly, but then yeah. really picked up after especially second series onwards I'd genuinely say. touching stuff yeah it's, it's really really good um yeah and um in terms of um films I mean I think it was a pretty good year it's such a shame that cinema was decimated and unable to function hardly at all really um but i thought there was a there's a huge number of great films uh, that year i enjoyed i think it had been released the this side of uh 20 of the new year at the time was jojo rabbit which was quite fun um we've mentioned parasite of course already um there was a uh, the personal history of david copperfield i quite enjoyed bombshell which was a, a really interesting story about hedy lamar who was far more than just a pretty face on the silver screen. She'd um, had something to do with the um, in- invention of radar in some form or other. I, I can't remember the details now, but extraordinary film. Richard Jewell, I thought was quite good. The Lighthouse was a really strange avant-garde film with Willem Dafoe. I don't know if any of you saw that. It's uh, not going to be one for everybody, but pretty good. Queen and Slim as well. Um, in a, a year with Black Lives Matter, I think that one... Probably I haven't looked at it on Netflix if it's on there, but if it has, it's probably got the Black Lives Matter tag next to it because it's uh, it falls very relevantly into that category. Um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire from France was an excellent film as well. That's one of the the best of the year, as was Les Miserables, which is not a remake of the re- of the musical. It's related to the narrative of the original story, but it's uh, it's set in modern day France in the projects, and a film which I think is actually better than La Haine, which is. A film it's probably most similar to as well in some respects that film if you haven't seen it Les Miserables the 2020 version absolutely superb um apparently set around the place where Hugo grew up as well some of it so interesting um I, there was loads of stuff I caught up with as well on Netflix aside from that I'm trying to think Snowpiercer as well by Bong the Parasite director I caught up with that and Okja by him as well which are both very good and um yeah plenty more besides i won't go on for too long because otherwise it'll just turn into a film podcast but uh being a big film fan i wanted to shout out to all of those um and if i think of any more i might throw them in randomly in the middle of a conversation later in the pod uh, like, <laughs> anyone like else yeah. to a slightly different topic for a 20 to my highlight of 2020 so yeah. discovering not only the gladstone where we started off our first podcast and their amazing chicken tikka pie and stuff oh. <laughs> Without one to make you feel hungry, but also discovering the uh, the Gypsy Hill Brewery and uh, yes. the Hepcat, which is now literally my favourite beer in the world. It's like, yeah. and surprisingly, my uh, my fiance managed to buy a keg of it, but like a five litre keg of it over Christmas. So I'm going to enjoy <laughs> that later on today while watching the game. And so at least I got something to cheer me up. Oh, you <laughs> lucky bastard. <laughs> I'm trying to go dry for the time being now as uh, just trying to take it easy after a heavy session over the uh, festive period. But and that is quite tempting. And those pies, the game this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> those pies were amazing. They're really, really yeah, good. Um, yeah. Another shout out to the Gladstone. Whenever they're hopefully reopening again, we can go back there and uh, 
do more podcasts and eat more pies there. And yeah, we really miss that place. Yeah, yeah. And the Gypsy Hill Brewery is brilliant. Apparently, I think it's a Palace fan that runs it, but uh, but but nonetheless, we we everyone's got their crosses to bear. <laughs> <laughs> some more than others yeah um the painted birds that was one other film i wanted to mention that's a really kind of hard viewing it's relentlessly um um well dark should we say <laughs> but it's a, it's a very good film and rocks as well which is a low budget british film set in london um i think it's a really honest film that that really strikes to the heart of modern day youth culture and what it is to be young in this, this modern age. Uh, it's a really, really good film. Um, there's plenty more besides as well, but as I said, we'll move on to the next subject unless anybody's got any other big shout outs for that one. Um, the other subjects being really, uh, well, there's, there's two others. One, unfortunately, is putting a bit of a downer. It's been a horrible year for um, significant death, shall we say, people we know from the public eye. Um, it, it started off pretty badly. We lost Terry Jones of Monty Python fame, uh, absolute classic figure of the comedy scene. Kobe Bryant, speaking of uh, basketball, of course, that was the beginning of this year, uh, tragically killed in a helicopter crash. We've lost uh, just a list of a few of the others. Nicholas Parsons, um, legend of radio mainly, and also from TV in the earlier era. Kirk Douglas finally popped his clogs. He got to a grand old age, I think. He went to... Uh, I think he went past 100, didn't he? Um, an absolute legend of the big screen. Um, Max von Sydow, another name from film. Um, McCoy Tyner, jazz pianist. Um, Roy Hudd from Popular Entertainer in the UK. Um, from the football world, Peter Whittingham. Remember, that was this year as well, where he, I think through a tragic accident, fell down some stairs um, in a pub or something like that. Just a really innocuous accident. Uh, and um, unfortunately, after a period in hospital, he died. Um, we had the uh, the classic country singer Kenny Rogers died. Um, Eddie Large, another entertainer, Bill Withers from music. Uh, Honor Blackman, one of two Bond girls who died. Um, the actress also Diana Rigg, more famous for the Avengers, passed away towards the end of the year. Uh, Football-wise and more sports-wise in general, we lost Raddy Antic, ex-Luton player, if you remember him, and Sir Sterling Moss. Peter Bonetti, the goalkeeper as well, who has a Worthing connection. In fact, I think he lived or was from Worthing originally. Um, I think I've got that right. Um, entertainer Tim Brooke Taylor. Um, again, back to football, of course, we mentioned Michael Robinson, an Albion connection. Um, he died earlier this year after a battle with illness. Norman Hunter um, was one of those who succumbed to, um, to, uh, to COVID, as did Lorenzo Sanz, the ex-Real Madrid president. Um, there's a long list of others. Um, going through Trevor Cherry, another um, another sports legend, Leeds, your favourite team, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Smile in a way. Um, we also lost um, Irfan Khan. I don't know if you know, he's the actor that was in films like Slumdog Millionaire, Lunchbox, Life of Pi. Really great actor, apparently a lovely guy as well. We lost him. Legendary jazz drummer Tony Allen. Uh, went David Paul Greenfield, who is of course a Brightonian um, from the Stranglers, keyboardist. He succumbed to COVID. Um, little Richard, uh, we lost as well. Um, Willie Thorne, the ex-snooker player. Uh, Vera Lynn, who got to a grand old age of I think it was 104 in the end, um, who also has a Brighton connection of sorts. Well, Sussex. She's a, she was a long-term Ditchling resident, although she's an East Ender originally. Um, the actor Serene Holm. One of my two favourite film composers of all time, along with Bernard Herrmann, who's already died, um, was Ennio Morricone. 
who passed away. Um, Jack Charlton, of course, OBE. Um, Alex Dawson, a Busby babe and an ex-Albion player in his latter days, um, passed away. Olivia de Havilland, another um, centurion who uh, was a Hollywood legend of so many movie classics, too numerous to mention. Alan Parker, film director. Chadwick Boseman, who was a really talented young actor, most famous for Black Panther, but other films besides, and whose last film, um, Ma Rainey, is, I think, out at the moment on release. Um, I saw that Eddie, the other night. Very good. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah. Yeah. I want to see that. Um, apparently, it might be Oscar-worthy. Ola Davis for um, top, top acting. Yeah, Viola Davis. Davis again. She's always very good, isn't she? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, Eddie Van Halen, the musician. Frank Buff, the legendary TV and sports TV uh, presenter. Um, Bobby Ball, comedian and actor, uh, most famous more recently for his role as the dad in uh, Not Going Out, which had a special on, which I think was his last role uh, over Christmas and New Year. Nobby Styles, World Cup winner. Sean Connery, legend of the screen. Uh, John Sessions, Jeffrey Palmer, another actor, Des O'Connor. Uh, from football, of course, we then, this is all in the very later part of the year, we lost Ray Clements, a legendary goalkeeper who in other times would have had so many more appearances for England if he wasn't in the same era as Peter Shilton. We had lost probably, well, certainly one of, if not the greatest player of all time in Diego Maradona, um, a troubled individual throughout his life, but uh, a fantastic player of just sublime talent. Um, he died pretty much just after his 60th birthday. Um, we also lost, um, curiously, um, I'll try to, uh, I think was, we'd already lost, I think, um, previously, maybe it was in the previous year, I think the previous year, Peter Mayhew, who'd played Chewbacca in Star Wars. Well, this year we lost Dave Prowse, who, of course, famously, as well as being the Green Cross Code Man, uh, was the body of Darth Vader in the Star Wars films, albeit not the voice. I don't know if you saw the clip when he died, but they, they showed his original um, audio when he tried to uh, speak the role as well. <laughs> it wasn't great. <laughs> he did not sound menacing at all, guys, I have to say. Um, and quite a few footballers died just at the end of the year. Papa Bupa Diop, who was only 42-year-old ex-Premier League player with several clubs in England. Paolo Rossi, World Cup winner and hat-trick scorer in that World Cup as well, a striker from the 80s. Um, Gerard Houllier, of course, football coach, died towards the end of the year. And um, we've we've just literally, I think it was on New Year's Eve, lost Tommy Doherty, ex-footballer and ex-manager. Um, the other famous names perhaps being Peter Annis, golf commentator, Barbara Windsor, actor, uh, John Le Carre, the author. Um, and also, finally, to mention again, which we did on the last podcast, Colin Smart, a former Albion youth coach, um, I think, up, up to and around the, the noughties, I think he was with us. Um, so, I mean, those those are just some of the names. There's plenty more besides, but it's been a horrible year. I mean, that's a larger than average number of uh, familiar faces have fallen. But uh, to all of them, rest in peace. I don't know if anyone's got any particular comments on any of those those guys other than to say, yeah, it's just a really bad year, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Just, to, yeah, really sad. Yeah. So... Final bit for this section before we move on to the dreaded quiz in part four. Um, New Year's resolutions. I know a lot of people say, ah, I don't do resolutions. So if you don't, fair enough. But if you do, have you got any as they per- pertain to the Albion or to football in general or life in general and your hopes for 2021 either way around? Tough question. Tough question in any year, but particularly this year, Ross. Yeah. Um, 
you know, yeah. getting unscathed through the, first, the next three months, I think, is a priority. Um, yeah. Uh, I'd like to get to the Amex at some point this year. Um, but the broader and more important one is just get as many people vaccinated as possible, as quickly as possible, would be my yeah. biggest yeah. hope for the new year. A general improvement on last year would be definitely a, a broad uh, stroke there, I think, to, to say as well. Yeah, Andy? Yeah, um, I, I go, go along with what Richard said. Yeah, and Peter? Yeah. Apart think, from hating uh, Leeds more. <laughs> I agree with the idea of, yeah, I, I want to, uh, obviously, the, the, the global situation improving, obviously, is one, but then, yeah, trying to get to the, trying to get to a game. I actually am more excited about going to an away game in some weird way, you know, just kind of, I miss those. I miss those away trips. Going to somewhere. I mean, I weirdly even more so if we go down. Because I think the away trips in the Championship are even better than the Premier League generally, on average. And just going to a yeah, going to a different place and having you know just going for food and drink and watching Albion away with a in a group of supporters. You know, kind of obviously a much smaller group than home ones. And yeah, it's just I find myself at the moment after the Arsenal game, I I should have been a lot more annoyed than I was. And I think I was just partly because of the fact we're not there and partly because it's we've seen it all before so many times I felt myself just deflated and not really I wasn't angry at the team I wasn't angry at Potter in his selection I was just a bit like oh that happened I kind of expected I could see it happening from the moment second half started it was so predictable and I yeah I, I think getting back to games will start re-spark that kind of even if we are predictably losing uh, going back to games will re-spark that and kind of make it so at the moment, it just feels like I'm going to be, well, I'll obviously be disappointed if we go down, but I won't be as gutted as I thought I would be if, if, if we're still in behind closed doors at Christmas, um, by the end of the season. But if we're yeah, actually going, it'll mean a lot more, which be, I think is a good thing. So I don't want to kind of lose my, yeah, the love of the game. Yeah, we, we don't want to be in that thing of we're not angry, we're disappointed. That's never, yeah. <laughs> it's never worse than that, is it? When it's people say that. on, on uh, whatever day it was that Arsenal, we played Arsenal Wednesday, was it? And it, yeah. it partly, I think I'd still be a little bit like that if we were at the games because it's so predictable, but it'd be a lot more frustration as well if I was actually having to go down to Brighton to watch it and spending my money, what you know, going on the train and, going to, and yeah, the season ticket, obviously, as well, when we've got the refund on that now. So it's, yeah, I think it's, I just want to see, yeah, I want to see my love of the game kind of reignite because it does feel it's drifting a bit away the longer it, we're behind closed doors. And it obviously is such a petty, small thing compared to what a lot of people are going through around the world and that sort of thing. But it's, yeah, it is my main kind of hobby, I suppose. And it's like, it yeah. feels bad that maybe the the passion is drifting away due to the what's happening. Yeah. And actually, I also cool. think I found myself not celebrating last couple of goals because I am genuinely not sure about VAR and having to wait mm. until after it's... And I, I do think that I'm going to move into the VAR should be scrapped group because you can't, you can't celebrate a goal. It's just ruining football. Yeah, well, I, I agree with everything you, you guys have all said there. I'd, I'd, I'd agree, but I think there's some reflections on the rules. I think we do need to, to look to try and change the rules. That might be one thing that could be done next year. Obviously, we really hope that um, things can start to come towards a resolution in regard to the um, to the COVID situation. And obviously, we want the Albion to improve. I think we will improve in this, this year. I, I don't just say that from a hopeful point of view. I, I honestly believe that we will. Um, the danger that could be set against that is if we get on the, the players' backs, if we've got crowds in, or, or even just with social media, to the point where it actually affects their confidence more than it already is. Uh, if we make a change, I think it would be unwise at this stage, and I'm not sure that the alternatives would, would benefit us. Um, any of the options that we can have available, it's trying to work in a more difficult situation, um, trying to set up differently. 
it can you, know, you can get quick fixes, but I'm not sure that would be the, uh, the, the solution. So I, I, yeah, I just hope that one way or the other, my hopes are realised that we can improve on the pitch as well. And I on really that note, a big event to go ahead as well, the, the European Championships and the Olympics and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And, that this year. You know, yeah, and not to have any more nasty. Not to have any more nasty surprises would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the Olympics. It's kind of like, I, yeah, I sort of end up binge watching that for two weeks generally, even mm. though it's like really random sports. That so I'd love, yeah. yeah, I really hope they go ahead with that, and I really hope the Euros go ahead. Although of all the times they could choose the European Championships to be across Europe rather than in one country, they chose the absolute wrong wrong event. Yeah, true. Yeah. And I, I really think they should have pushed the Euros back further. But anyway, on that note, we shall finish part three in part four. To finish, it'll be the... So welcome back to the fourth and final part of this New Year's uh, special where we've now got time for the quiz. It's just a quick one to finish off. Um, this may be the only quiz of the season that we do because um, we haven't done one so far. and We may not do any more. So your one and only opportunity to become champion could be upon you, Richard and Peter. Um, Andy's had to drop out and leave us. So uh, it's just the two of you competing. Bottled it at the this... last minute. <laughs> <laughs> he bottled it, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a simple seven questions in a multiple choice format. Simple as that. Both of you give me your answers. I'll um, tell you at the end, or I'll tell you as we go how we're doing. So, question one, if you're ready, folks. Which of these football clubs is the oldest? Is it A, Crawley, B, Rochdale, C, Liverpool, or D, Swindon? Any ideas? So, oldest of the clubs, Crawley is A, Rochdale's B, Liverpool C, Swindon's D. Quick, fast-track answer. What are we going for? Richard. Rochdale. Rochdale. Both going Rochdale, which is B. Okay. Um, it isn't. It's Swindon, actually, would you believe? It's 1879 Swindon. They're an older club than a lot of people think. Rochdale was... Eight... All, 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 I wasn't Liverpool. I know they're quite recent, aren't they, generally? Kind of... Yeah, yeah. 19... Oh, no, actually, 1892. It's 18, yeah. 18 something. Anyway. Yeah, it's 1892. Yeah. Um, and Crawley was 1896, incidentally. Um, right, okay. On to question number two, then. Um, which pro team has the longest record recorded unbeaten run in European club football history. Um, is it A, Liverpool, B, Ajax of Amsterdam, C, Stour Bucharest, or D, Wimbledon FC? Well, it's all I'm guesswork, gonna, this one, isn't it? We're, yeah, we're in the realms of random guesswork. Uh, I'm going to say Bucharest. <laughs> Okay, because I'm just confused as to why they're in there otherwise. <laughs> um, okay, well, you've fallen into my trap, Peter. It is Star Bucharest. So yeah. Richard is is 2 1 up. <laughs> a double. Sorry, so one nil up. up. One yeah. nil up. Yes, yeah. see, I'm getting it wrong already. Right. Third question Which English club side once fielded five in England international captains, or had been England international captains at one point or another, in one lineup? So five England captains or ex-captains in the same lineup. Is it A, Manchester United, B, Ipswich Town, C, Everton, or D, Southampton? So um, this so is can the... Can question, sorry? Yeah, so which English club, uh, English club side once fielded five England international captains in one lineup? 
So they'd already been captain at that point. Yeah, they'd either already been or were currently. Yeah, so they're not like future England captains. <laughs> Richard's going um, Southampton. They're <laughs> not future captains now. I'm going to Ipswich. Ipswich. Um, Richard is in a 2 0 lead now. <laughs> it is Southampton. Yeah, I thought Southampton question. might be the case if it was like future, but I didn't think it would be. Yeah, no, it's um, it's Peter Shilton, Kevin Keegan, Mick Mills, Alan Ball, and Dave Watson. Would you believe? Wow. So interesting. It's quite a phenomenal that. I don't believe uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> you can check it if you want. Uh, right here we go. This 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 one's going to be interesting. Alfredo Di Stefano was was eligible under the rules of the time to play for four countries um, during his era, and he did in fact play for three of those four countries. Which of them, though, did he not take up the option of playing? So he's entitled to play for all of these four, but which one didn't he actually play for? Was it A, Spain, B, Argentina, C, Colombia, or D, Italy? Don't ask me to, to explain which of those he was, quali- he was eligible for under which <laughs> reasons, but uh, um, there were lax rules at the time, quite clearly, I think. So, yeah, he, so which of them did he not play for? A, Spain. B, Argentina, C, Colombia, or D, Italy? I'm going to go for Spain. I'm going to go for Colombia. Okay, you have both got that one wrong, actually. Um, it's, in fact, Italy of all teams. Really? Uh, the I, team thought, I, thought, I thought Argentina and Italy were definite. I didn't realise that. Yeah, I, I didn't realise he played for Colombia, and I didn't realise he hadn't played for Italy, but um, I just caught yeah, that fact I, I somewhere online. I thought Italy down as definites at first, and it was a matter of which of... Um, Richard obviously had yeah, a similar, potentially, or... I, I I just assumed if I knew he was Argentina or Italy that he was he definitely played for those two. Yeah, yeah. Italy, Italy was the one that I'd ruled out very early on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had as well. Strange, isn't it? Okay, well, on to question five. Yeah, Richard with the two nil. Albion's home form at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two 0 lead for Richard. Can Peter claw it back in the second half? Probably not. Question, <laughs> question five. This is going to be a random guess one, I think, as well. Um, well which of the... the first lot? <laughs> <laughs> Similar to the first lot. Which of these football clubs was founded in the same year, 1901, as the Albion, as in Brighton and of Albion, that is. It's not a trick question. Um, which, which club founded in the same year as the Albion? Is it A, Exeter City, B, Coventry City, C, Bristol City, or D, Hull City? <clears throat> oh, God. Uh, Exeter. Okay, you've gone Exeter, Richard, and Peter. Hull. You've gone Hull. Hull is 1904. The oldest is Coventry, 1883. The next oldest was Bristol City, 1894. You are correct, Richard. It is 1901 Exeter. (laughs) An unassailable 3-0 lead now, which is what we are hoping isn't happening uh, when we watch the Wolves game later on today. Um, so, which of these venues did not host a game at Euro 96? Um, which did not host a game? Was it A, Hillsborough, B, Goodison Park, C, St James's Park, the Newcastle one, that is, and D, Elland Road? So, clarifying that. Yes, <laughs> just in case. And there's somewhere else that's called St James's Park, isn't there, I think, as well. Excellent. Um, but, yeah, but, yeah ex- well, yeah, I mean, apart from Exeter, I think there's another one as well. But um, anyway, um. Yeah, which venue did not host a game at Euro 96? Was it Hillsborough, Goodison, St James's Park, Newcastle, or Ellen Road? Goodison. I would Goodison have said, says Richard. I would have said they all did. Um, yeah, I thought. I'm going to go Hillsborough. 
Hillsborough. Okay, Peter, you've hit the post again. Richard's hit the net. It's 4 0. Wilson didn't really. Yeah, I was amazed. Danfield did. Is that why? Because Liverpool did, and maybe and yeah, I think that's probably why. Yeah, that would make sense because it has the bigger ground, doesn't it? I think. I was convinced all four of those. Three thousand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's see if you can get consolation goal here, Peter. For the final question, um, which with which club did Johan Cruyff win his final league title as a player? Was it A. Ajax, B. PSV Eindhoven, C. Feyenoord, or D. Bognor Regis Town? At least I've narrowed this one down for you. <laughs> Don't say Bogner. Don't say Bogner. I love if it was a trick question. It was Bogner Regis when he played there once, <laughs> and it was some bloke called some other random bloke called jo- Johan Fred Cruyff. Yeah. Or he had a yeah, or he had a mate who was a who was living in Bogner or something, and he did he just did it as a favour. No, it, it wasn't Bogner. No, but which of those was it? Was it A I X B Eindhoven or C Feyenoord? P S V. I'm going to go, go for one of the non-obvious ones and go for Feyenoord. Peter, you've scored an consolation goal. Get in. <laughs> it is indeed Feyenoord, apparently. So there we go. So 4-1 to Richard. You are officially the champion now, unless we do another quiz this year. Yeah, That makes up for your... Uh, you, you said you didn't do too well on the quiz when we did it last season, did you? It's, That's uh, an understatement, Russell. No, I feel, I feel vindicated. I didn't know I could Google that quickly. <laughs> I, I, I think you stuck with yourself through the difficult times of last season and didn't uh, didn't uh, get a new quiz master in, quiz answer in. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> right, well, that concludes this um, this New Year special, the first one of 2021, which has probably, by the time you're listening to this, been split into two episodes because it's a bit of a bumper episode. Um, if that is the case, thanks for sticking with us. Um, I was, If it isn't, thanks for sticking with us as well. Uh, <laughs> On that note, on that note, um, I think it's just to wish us all a happy new year, all the listeners, to all the contributors. Thanks to everyone that's um, taken part in the, in the previous year. We hope to see some of you back with us and we'll hope to get some more exciting guests on as well in the new year. Let's hope the Albion can rise that table as well. And um, until then, guys, uh, Richard, thank you for joining me again. Pleasure. Thanks for asking and happy new year. Stay safe, everybody. Excellent. Thank you also to Peter, as always. Thanks, Pete. And we could just finish in the usual way then by, uh, well, hopefully with with better circumstances to follow. Stand or fall? Up the Albion. Up the Albion. Yay. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.